It's a fabulous Friday in the foxhole. Fox, trotting in the foxhole. Season 7, episode 7, number 199 overall. Your faithful host, Ken Harlan here, for another weekly distillation of what's happening in the world of sports. As always, we thank the folks at WW or www.purpleplanet.com, Mixler, for the tunes used in the podcast. Our weekly shout out to the folks at Road and Zoom for providing wonderful tunes for content creators throughout the planet. Want to be on the podcast? Say hey. Whatever the case may be, ftinfx at gmail.com. A lot going on. Kind of a weird day. We've had it sun, rain, snow. All kinds of weird stuff. It's definitely chilly. Well, feels that way anyhow. All right, folks. Let's get rocking early here. In 199, 200 coming up. I still haven't figured out what we're going to do for 200. May just keep it the same and not do anything special. Haven't been feeling that motivated lately. Got a little ESPN and a Metroplex going on with Mina Kimes and L. Duncan talking about some NFL combine. Sure, I have some things to be saying about that. But let's get to open face. Where am I starting this week? My man, Dick Sherman. Being that dude. You notice he hasn't been undisputed this week. I hate to come down on people. Their misdeeds because none of us are perfect. But you know how we are in the foxhole. What do we say? It's called Uber or Lyft. Or a taxi. Or your homies. Or your homets. Or your lady. Call somebody. There's no reason for people in your position to be getting busted for DUI. It's a bad look. No matter how you whack it up. Slice it up, serve it up. Come on, bro. I mean, I don't know if Fox Sports put you on a timeout and you was a self-imposed one because you know they've been blowing you up in the social media that they always uh, tune into during the show. Or not tune into, but you know they take selections of what people are saying to them, the feedback and whatnot. Yeah, Rich, what the hell, man? As much head as you've been talking. But I hope the, the party was worth it. Then you got our man Cam Newton. <laughs> Getting into a seven and seven a uh, seven and seven event that, you know, he was uh I don't know, a guest or had something to do with. I haven't bothered to dig that deep. All you had to do was see the videos of these kids trying to whoop his ass and give Cam his credit. He, he held his own. If the videos posted are legit, 
He got his licks in. But as many people have talked about this week, why is it that nobody respects Cam? Why are people always coming at him, trying to diss him? It's not like the guy was a bust. You know, he did win a national championship at Auburn over our local Ducks. Not a lot of people were happy about that here and thought the Ducks got robbed, but that's neither here nor there. Won a national championship in junior college. Went to a Super Bowl. Didn't quite win it. But a lot of people never even snipped the Super Bowl. But yet, he seems to get not a lot of love. When you got some punk asses, you know, saying, yo, I'm going to try to light you up. And I just saw that he came out and apologized and there was no excuse for it. And I don't know the whole context of what spurred it on, but it did look like these punks tried to jump in. And obviously he got his licks in. But yeah, it's a bad look for everybody involved. I'm not so much as the people that were in the sports media with the widespread condemnations, because I'd love to know what the context was, as I just said. But yeah, wow. Dick Sherman, Ed Cam, highlighting things. Then we've got my man, Caleb Williams. Boy, this has been a great story. Because now, you know what, was debunked at one point about his dad asking for a piece of ownership and other financial incentives, looking after his boy's interests. Is it true or not? The fact that it's kind of circled back into the conversation makes me think, sure. And at first, I admit, I was kind of, well, that's kind of prima donna-ish. And it is, but I've kind of lessened my stance going, it can't hurt to ask, even though there's no way in hell it's going to happen. I mean, I think it's a little naive from his people or his camp to even think for one second any NFL team's going to give a player if it was even possible, a piece of the action is unproven. But at the end of the day, what's the worst they can say? No. And then you have this whole idea of him not wanting to release all of his health records to the teams. And then kind of backtracking, like only the teams that I will be interested in or have a chance at me. I mean, obviously, it's looking like the Bears are going to part with Mr. Phil's cookies. Talk more about that in the NFL report. But yes, all, all these things that are kind of red flags or why his detractors are buzzing all over the hive, why a team like the Bears or the Commanders should take a pass on him are coming true. Yes, his second season at USC wasn't as stellar, but USC's got far more problems than him. And I know the costumes that he's worn, being a fashion magnet, and the lush pad that he has in LA, and people think he's kind of a spoiled brat. But folks, boomers especially, this is a different era. And if you think a team shouldn't take a flyer on him based on what we've been seeing Patrick Mahomes doing, Okay, so if he doesn't turn out to be the next Mahomes, you take a part on somebody else in a couple of years. And if you're the Bears case, or the Commanders, you've wasted plenty of time on current quarterbacks that didn't get it done. 
You just go back to the well until you get it right. Hmm. How about Holly Rowe? Yeah, that's right, of ESPN fame. Being very cranky about the lack of a female presence in EA Sports College Football 2025 that we've been talking about in recent weeks. You know, the resurrection of that classic franchise. Boy, I don't know how I feel about this one. You know, at first, you know, my typical old school take was to be like, really? But as I've said many times in my podcast, it is a different era. And sure, why not? I mean, I think this game sells it, is going to sell itself even without female sideline reporters. But, you know, for realism and to keep everybody happy, maybe that's something they do before the game gets released now that she's made a bunch of hay. Either way, the game's going to sell. And if it's not a dud, which EA Sports is known to do, you know, this popular franchise is going to be booming again. Anyway, especially if you get a chance to take your ducks to the natty. Of course, some people will say that may be the only chance they have to win on natty, but we're not going there because we live here and we know that Dan Lanning's going to have his chances down the road. But if you read Twitter, that's some of the comments. But yeah, any school and all that stuff, and that's why people have been waiting for this franchise to be revived. It's been, you know, over a decade or so. All right. How about the legendary Peter King calling it quits after an illustrious career? No more Monday morning quarterback and dropping insights because everybody likes him. And he's obviously been a mentor to many people in the journalism field, electronic and print wise. You know, one of those elder statesmen. Great career. And then obviously all of the you know, warm comments and folks talking about what he did, you know, for them. All that stuff's been wonderful, you know. So enjoy your retirement, Mr. King. Okay. You know, we're always capping on people on this podcast, but we got to give some props when folks are doing something cool. And I know I've been hard Bobby Hart, as, as anybody, when it comes to my man, Mr. Russell Westbrook, for what he does on the court and all the shenanigans. But I think it's cool that he is giving back to South LA or South Central to you folks that don't know in terms of what it should be called. But he's like building 180 affordable housing units to help out some folks down there. You know, as everything gets more gentrified and whatever the case. But I think that's cool, putting this money back into the community. Not really asking for props for his charitable work off the court. We like that in the foxhole, most definitely. Now, this one's an interesting one. You know, we made a lot of hay about the dirt bags that sawed off the Jackie Robinson statue in Omaha. Well, the cleats that were on the base were the only thing remaining. You know, they're replacing the statue when MLB is going to flip the bill. But I think it's pretty cool that the cleats that were on the base of the Jackie Robinson statue are going to be donated to the Negro League Museum. So that's kind of a cool thing and kind of a reminder in terms of 
some of the dirt bags we have out here and that we still have work to do before we truly have a better place to live in in this world. Or so they would like to think. Okay. Now for some funny stuff. Okay, you know, the combine's going on, as I was just saying a few minutes ago. We got some interesting things coming out of here. And this comes back to not me being an old school or being a boomer or whatnot. But what are we teaching these kids in our schools? And you've got Tyler Owens, who says space isn't real and the planets aren't real. You got Tip Ryman saying that he doesn't believe birds are real. Now, I don't know if they were answering these questions that get arise out of people, or we, are, or we have created such an untrusting society <laughs> that people come out of our schools with these kind of beliefs. Space isn't real. Planets aren't real. Birds aren't real. Wow. Makes you wonder why they even bother questioning people at the combine, but they do. And from the why can't we have nice things department, how about the Phillies ditching dollar dog night? A staple in Philadelphia for quite some time, but apparently last year folks getting out of control and using the Frankfurters as projectiles and some of them ended on the field and food fight. I mean, I guess it was nothing serious, but it has caused the brass in Philadelphia to say no more. Instead, of dollar dog night, it's two for one, and that's going to cost you five bucks. Which I guess this is okay, but I'm like, dude, there ain't too many bargains at the ballpark. What are you doing? Chucking them around. Just like the idiots down in Scottsdale ruining that thing. It's why we can't have nice things. Okay. The 2024, as we're always talking about, it's so 2024, almost getting their bingo card out. Did anybody have with their bingo card Tyreek Hill getting sued by an OnlyFans model? Apparently, he broke her leg horsing around. The story here is he, her son went to one of his camps. He liked what he saw, slid into her DMs or something like that, and said, hey, why don't you come over, you know, and just, let's, let's, let's see what's up. Because they were out fooling around doing football drills, and somehow she embarrassed him. And so he decided to, like, light up and give her a real stance, broke her leg. I'm, like, going, you know, if you were getting your freak on, I could see it, maybe. So 2024, yeah. Okay, and lastly, how about Mr. Otani getting married and no one knew about it? Shouldn't be a big deal, right? Well, gee, looking at the sports world on Wednesday and people commenting, like, how do you not tell anybody? How did the Dodgers not know? Maybe because he's a Japanese star and maybe he likes his privacy and didn't want to share with the rest of the world. See that everything he does, as we get to the Nightfall of Diamonds a little bit later, is going to be hyper-scrutinized. Maybe he wanted to have a moment of bliss with this lady without having a bunch of gawking eyes. Makes sense, doesn't it? But no, the sports media are making a big deal about it. I know this is the time of year where we're always trying to invent things to talk about, but come on, folks. Dude got married and he didn't tell you. Boo-hoo-hoo. All right, folks. We're rocking and rolling. We'll be back with the 43KV when we return.
All right, then. Welcome back to the Foxhole. Your faithful host here, Ken Harlan, on a fabulous Friday. Whew. Yeah, I'm still yapping my brain around <laughs> getting an OnlyFans model to come hang out with you and you somehow breaking her leg. Anyway, yeah, the weather's a little bit unpredictable, but that shouldn't stop us from getting our homies and homets and getting our lift, or our adult beverages, our tasty little snacks, and our hipster clothes, and boarding the Gulfstream 650, chilling on the runway at Eugene Airport. Let's take the 43K view high above the campuses of America. Well, where shall we start? How about the Eric B. enemy? Landing on his feet in Westwood. Told you about Deshaun Foster getting the job after Chip Kelly departed to Columbus to take the OC job at the Ohio State University. Well, well, well. This has been an interesting conversation. As we talked about previously, in terms of the media and certain fanboys talking about how EB has done wrong, and a lot of folks felt this is a slap in the face that he has to take a job at UCLA. You people, stop it, okay? Now, why he hasn't gotten a head coaching job in the NFL, even Stephen A. Smith finally got off of his high horse and said, maybe it's you. And maybe you don't interview well a lot of things because as people like Stephen A. have pointed out, there have been some significant people of color being given head coaching jobs and coordinator jobs. Maybe not enough OC jobs, and that still has to be rectified. But nonetheless, let's not get too deep into that. Going to Westwood, is a, like that's a horrible job. Have you all been to that school on that campus in that part of the universe? Yeah, we know the funny duddies at UCLA, as I've talked about many times in this podcast, they don't like spending the cash, and that's why. In spite of the wonderful location and having L.A. to recruit from, they don't. They rarely move the needle, and that's probably why Chip Boogie. But nonetheless, going to the Big Ten with UCLA, Washington, and USC, that's not a bad thing. And you can't blame what happened to him in D.C., taking the job to try to prove himself you know, Andy Reid calls the plays. Well, yeah, 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 yeah. Just the bad things all over the place in D.C. As you know, me being the commander's family, we don't have to go there because we're talking college, mind you. But these folks who think this is a backwards move from them are out of their minds. This is a really good job, and nobody's really looking for UCLA to make a splash in the Big Ten. And who knows what Mr. Foster, the enemy, so he's going to be offensive coordinator and a, an associate head coach. This may be a good springboard for him to prove himself. And it could be a lot worse than being at Westwood. I can tell you that for sure. Okay, let's get back to our regularly scheduled programming. And big surprise here, the Knight Commission, you know, which is group of folks looking to improve the quality of life for athletes on all fronts, health, finances. They are pushing for a structure to govern 
the CFP's finances. They see what I see and everybody else who's been looking at this funnel cloud that's turned into a tornado ever since the pandemic, lacking guardrails. So I don't know what their suggestions and how much traction it can be, but it would behoove the parties to be. I mean, it's all getting weird. And there's some stuff that went down today that I haven't had a chance to unpack, which we'll probably talk about next week. But yeah, I don't know whether or not Congress, they've got their hands full you know, with the border crisis, the infighting with the Dems and the Republicans, and it being an election year. They want to tackle this quite yet. And, you know, I think they should, but now may not be the right time for them to intervene. So you might want to listen to what the Knight Commission has to say and somebody get ahead of this. As we like to say, get the adults in the room and come up with something sensible. It's not going to make everybody happy. This we know. You can't make people in this black society of ours happy with anything. But at some point, it's gotten so out of control. And if you are talking about keeping things in an equitable state, give the adults in the room, commissions like Knight and other folks, come up with some sensible recommendations so we can just move forward. Because, of course, already all the wrist wringing and Pepto-Bismol and Tums <laughs> And Advil, right, for folks that have been busting their heads to get everyone to agree to a 12-team playoff. Now, hey, why don't we make it 14 for 2025 or 2026? No end to this. What does the foxhole think? Well, the foxhole thinks this. Ultimately, it's about the matchups. Have we not been saying that since the inception of this podcast? And whether it's 12, 14, or 16, that's the more the merrier. I know some folks think this will help the liberties and Cincinnati's of the world. I don't think so. When this greed-driven model, we add more teams, is to ensure we get blockbuster matchups to the point where it is kind of on the level of the NFL playoffs. Must-see TV. It's all about the ratings. It's all about generating the revenue. And, yeah, it's inevitable. We told you this from the beginning, that they weren't going to be satisfied going 4-8, to eight, which never happened. 12, it's ultimately probably going to be 16, if not 24. Just the way it goes. Okay. You got FSU and, eight, and the ACC. They continue to battle out in the courts. And this is only the beginning. I said, there's some things that have gone down today that we still haven't unpacked. That yes, this is going to be an arduous battle over the next two or three years in the courts with the lawyers making hella bank to figure out. Like the FSU, you know, and their grant of rights goes to 2036. Somebody's sitting around the room in Tallahassee, like going, What the F were we thinking? <laughs> but nobody saw the world changing the way that it has, probably when that agreement was made. But now that we are in a new normal that keeps changing by the hour. Yeah, folks are sitting there like, no, I'm not having this. And as we've said here many, many times, you know, the 
when the dust does settle, it's not going to be like anything we're seeing right now that's in, in, in existence. We've already seen the Pac-12 dissolve. I imagine other conferences are going to, and this is going to be broken up by region somehow, I think, in the end. We shall see. You tell me what you think. F-T-I-N-F-X at gmail.com. Ooh, we're too excited here. Okay, let's go to the hardwood. A lot going on in the hardwood. First, we'll start Jay Billis all over the place this past week. You know, the ESPN, former Blue Devil. I don't always agree with him, but he's very astute with his opinions on the landscape of college sports. And he came out blasting Charlie Baker, the head honcho who took over, running the beleaguered NCAA. His suggestion to expand March Madness to 96 teams, Billis thinks it's a ridiculous idea. It's already, what, 68? So, you know, what's another, what's another 28 teams? It is all about matchups, generating revenue, especially with a men's game that only starts to get a pulse this time of year. You might as well maximize it. I don't know if a, a bigger tournament is going to kill things. It's going to make more pull. It's going to make more brackets, more bracket busting, and people getting together and talking about the product. So, can it dilute the product? Sure. But who cares at this point? Giving more teams an opportunity? That's more money in their coffers. That's more excitement. That's more moments that people can have on particular campuses, which falls into our next point. <sighs> knew this was coming. Another court-storming incident. This time, Duke's Kyle Foposki injured his knee after Wake Forest upsets Duke, and we had another ridiculous scene and we've been battling all week about it you know what we filled the foxhole this nonsense needs to go away 10,000 years ago and I'm not sitting here as a boomer you know I heard a certain talking head this week like going oh it's all these old men who are sitting here against it and let the kids have their moment well let me ask you this okay Who's the worst team in the NFL this past season? Well, the Carolina Panthers. When the Carolina Panthers are their two wins, did anybody storm the, storm the field in Charlotte when they won? No. When the Pistons or the Wizards mired deep in the cellar in the NBA, when they knock off, matter of fact, the Spurs beat the Wizards last night. Now the Spurs beat the Thunder, excuse me. I'm assuming it was in San Antonio. Did anybody storm the court there? No. It's only in college where it's upset, hey, we slayed Goliath, that we need to do this. It's not taking the fun out. People say, yeah, we can work through this. They've tried that. The SEC has fines. It still doesn't really matter. I'm not trying to be a killjoy here. You know what I've been saying on this podcast. And something ugly is going to happen when you have folks boozed up, buttered up, coked up, testosterone, estrogen up, whatever the case may be. But people cannot help themselves in terms of getting their little moment on social media or just to go talk a little trash in somebody's face and taunt somebody. 
how somebody hasn't gotten their string knot loose thus far. It has happened a couple of times, and you know some of the other ugly incidents that have come to light. You know, the kid that got partially paralyzed a few years back. It's not worth it. You can go to the bar and paint the town crimson, red, and white. <laughs> All that kind of stuff outside of it. I don't think the school, even though the money's there, how much security would you need in order to prevent people in, the, in a moment? Yes, I think some of these draconian measures like forfeits should be enacted. Because it's so unnecessary, and I don't care. Call me a boomer. Call me a ooh, blah, blah, blah. I think some of you jocks in the jackocracy should be ashamed of yourselves. You know it's not necessary, and oh, it's part of the college experience. Yeah, so it's going, so it was using, you know, Scantron's blue books and being away from your parents and being able to get it on with somebody and not no one caring. So what? Plenty of cool things in the college experience to enjoy a thousandfold without having this occupational hazard. It's just not fair to the opposing teams. And I know schools are too cheapskate to actually spend the money to provide the security needed. A cool-down period's not going to work because folks in the heat of the moment are going to do, they're just they're going to do as they do. Just can't work. That's how I feel anyway. Okay. How about BYU ending number seven Kansas 19-game home winning streak? Gotta love this time of year. Things start ratcheting up. The pressure builds. Teams thinking ahead to conference tournaments and, and the actual tournament itself take their eyes off the ball and get knocked off. And that's why we have a, number, number, a new number one this week with Houston. Got South Carolina still number one. How about Grinnell College? You know, they're always famous for taking threes. Okay, last week they had a game where they hoisted up 111 threes and not a single shot in front of the arc. Wow. Okay, flipping over to the ladies. South Carolina is still number one, but Caitlin Clark is the one taking center stage as she is on the cusp of breaking Pistol Pete's record. Ticket prices are soaring. Ratings are soaring. All is good in the world. Well, Pete's kid says the rec upcoming record isn't legit. Why does he say that? Well, gee, because in his daddy's day, no shot clock, no three-point line. All that is true. And, you know, some of the other women who put up numbers in the AWA, AIAW and NIWA and that sort of stuff, who are getting some spotlight, and Caitlin's been very gracious as far as that's concerned. It is what it is, folks. And... Yep, she has been the story of college basketball men and women's all season long. As we've been saying here, let her have her moment. This is the type of year where you've got to find something to argue about and ponder about. So it's not that head-scratching that you're going to have some folks trying to find a way to take a little shine off of her moment. It is what it is. 
Comparing the men and women is always going to be apples to oranges. So stop it. Unless it's a three-point shooting contest or some skills contest, but actual playing, whatever, folks. You know, let her have her moment. I, you know, she's going to have the most points. It's almost like you know Roger Maris hitting 61 home runs in 162 games versus the Babe doing it in 154. Okay. You know, you complain about it at the time, but sooner or later, you kind of get over, get over it and move on with life. <laughs> okay, so the thing with Caitlin was, should she stay or should she go? Well, you know, Big Jones and Joe Strubber don't need to answer that for us. She's gone. We're, you know, she has declared that she is going to forego her COVID year, and she's going pro, probably the Indiana Fever, who have the first pick of the upcoming WNBA draft. All's good. What do we think about this in the foxhole? This is an interesting one, I must say. On the one hand, she probably could make more money staying at Iowa. But I like that she is being a trailblazer and saying, hey, not only do I want to play against the best, but she knows, along with Sabrina, the things I've brought it up before, what the WNBA is truly lacking is star power. It isn't like you don't have ladies that can ball their ass off in that league. That's well documented, and we don't even have to even touch that one. But the potential there now of having her, Sabrina, and some of these other white basketball players, female basketball players coming into this league, that is a good thing for eyeballs. If the kind of buzz that's been created by Miss Clark this year with ticket sales going through the roof, people paying astronomical prices to see her play. TV ratings were better than the men. We've been saying this for a while. This is nothing new. And if you follow my podcast, you know I've been on this track for a while. And for the WNBA to be viable, it's gotten a lot better. It's I won't. It's not on life support anymore. But this could actually, it's never going to, you know, the NBA has its problems. But for it to, you know, for the WNBA to have its niche, it's not going to overtake the NBA. Let's not get crazy now. But for it to, like, move the needle, if she comes out there and, and brings some momentum, you know, I thought it was going to happen with Sabrina. But as good as Sabrina is, she ain't Caitlyn. And I think by the combination of Caitlyn and a few other folks and, and some of the existing folks, you know, obviously, you know, folks like Tarazi, Candace Parker, B. Stu, they're getting a little bit long on the tooth. But this next wave, along with the talent that's already there, the WNBA has a very promising future. And in the end, she's gonna make her bag and make a lot of make the bag for everybody else. And props to her, instead of you know taking the easy way out and just kicking it for another year. I mean, I know she would love to win a natty for her peeps in Iowa, but this is the logical step for her to take. All right, folks, that's enough for High Above Campus. Let's get the Gulfstream 650 on the ground. We'll come back with something you should probably know. Ha. <laughs> what are we doing here?
obviously had the wrong slider selection for this one, but it doesn't matter. What we do know is it's time for one of our favorite segments. Something you should probably know, or things that happened this past week in the world of sports you might want to know or even care about. Okay, how about the 10 tops in Atlanta? I don't know if you folks were watching that. What a race that turned out to be. Lots of wrecks, three, four wide, 48 lead changes. In the end, Daniel Suarez wins a very tight race, a photo finish with three cars at the very end. A lot of exciting stuff there. The NASCAR season is off to a roaring start. I know our man, Mr. Mr. Corner Man, is all smiles. There's the rest of NASCAR Nation. Of course, I think NASCAR Nation is kind of frowning when it comes to NBC and its decision to let Junior walk. Probably not the smartest move on their part. You know, I've been critical about Junior and a lot of things, but the one thing I haven't been critical about is the man's popularity. And, you know, obviously... You know, this is a dirt spec on his daddy's black three. <laughs> yeah, but he had an okay career and did a fantastic job of carrying the torch in light of his dad's tragedy. And is still a very popular figure in the NASCAR world. And I know he's going to land with Amazon, you know, as we move deeper into the streaming platforms and that sort of thing. But you would think NBC, since you're still you're part of the future, you would do whatever it took to keep Junior in the fold. You've got big people tuning for you know June June bugs, little Juneisms and things like that. I just think I don't know if it's short sighted, but it was definitely eyeball racing to me that they would let Junior walk. And Junior will not be part of the 2024 coverage on the Peacock. Yeah, okay. Well, F1 is really gearing up, as we've talked about in the Corner Man. If you haven't heard that podcast, The Scene, Episode 3 of Season 2, please do check it out. Mr. Verstappen and Red Bull already looking to pick up where they left off in 2023. In spite of the distractions, he's taken the pull for the big race coming up here. You know, so crazy stuff there. Let's go over to the links real quick. In the Mexico Open, where rookie Jake Knapp wins despite blowing a four-shot lead at one point. Driver issues, I mean, all over the place. But nonetheless, kept it together. And walks away with the honors, and he will have a spot at Augusta. So good for him. Okay, then we also had the match this week, which you know somehow slid off my radar. Then I was actually preparing for this week's show and was thumbing through the channels and stumbled across. I'm like, what is this on headline news and the other Turner, Turner channels? And so yeah, the little format they have at night with Rory and Max Homa. And uh, two female golfers, which right now escapes me. After part of me, I have all my notes in front of me because I didn't really watch it that much. Because you know these type of TV events don't really move the needle for for me. 
You know, I think, you know, the kind of takeaway there is maybe you could juice the format up and make it team play or something like that. But nonetheless, you know, Ernie was there, you know, EJ and, and stuff like that. And it seems like it was kind of cool. But yeah, I will confess that even though I had it on, I really wasn't paying attention. <laughs> Just saying. Okay. Now, speaking of Rory, boy, this is an interesting one. Taylor Gooch of Live Fame kind of shot an arrow across the bow when he says if Rory wins in Augusta to complete the Grand Slam, it would need an asterisk because he, Mr. Gooch, and other other live players aren't able to compete. Hmm. What does the foxhole think about that? Well, I think Mr. Gooch has a point. But then again, as I was saying, with, with Caitlin Clark and Pete Maravich, Roger Maris Babe group, sure, we can always look at look in between the lines and come up with all sorts of things why you could discredit something. Until they make the peace and create a, a unified world circuit where certain restrictions that keep people out of competitions are moved away and the masters being the masters, you're still going to have to perform, which Mr. Gooch has and some others in the lib circuit. It is where it is. We are where we are with all of that. Right. You know, he's got a, he's got a point, but it's... If Rory completes the Grand Slam, it's not going to be invalidated because the golf powers, or as I said earlier, the adults in the room can't hammer this out and move forward into the next era. Because it's going to happen sooner or later. We're just not there now. So, well, I understand your bitterness, Mr. Gooch. It's still going to be a Grand Slam whether you like it or not. And people are going to celebrate that. Yeah. Okay. You got Anthony Kim. Yeah, that Anthony Kim returning to the live. It actually happened in Saudi. Yeah, he probably was way in the back, shanked a couple of times. But you know what? He's out there. He's getting paid. So we're going to have to just put a big smile on our face as far as that's concerned. Right. You know, good for him. Yeah, it's good. I mean, I'm really glad to see him come out of the darkness. I mean, the money's too good. And if Liv is willing to allow him to make a few dollars at 38, more power to him. Don't have a problem whatsoever. And I don't think he's going to ever move the needle other than the fact that he's there and it's something that we're talking about. Speaking of the Liv, I think it's kind of interesting Mr. Rom coming out this week saying that when he he tried to text Tiger to explain why he joined Liv, Tiger blew him off and just said, nah, just basically ghosted him. Are we surprised by that? Not really. I mean, obviously, Tiger turned down a big bag to join that tour, as did Jack to be an ambassador. And so, <laughs> if you're Tiger... With all these other things on your mind, you're just like, oh, you took the money. SFW, right? <laughs> you know, what do you want me to say? You know, congratulations. I ain't down with you. I'm just not going to touch it. But, you know, leave it to John Ron to make sure we knew 
that Tiger ghosted him. I, mean, I think it's, I saw that, and that was one of the more funnier things that came across the board all week, in my opinion. Hmm. Okay, what else do we have? Well, we had a little boxing. Always got a comment on that whenever there's a title fight, and it was a big WBC bantamweight title fight with Junto Nakatani winning by TKO over Alexandro Santiago in Tokyo this weekend. Wonder what channel that was on. I sure the hell didn't know about it until I was doing research for this segment. Man, boxing. <laughs> it's just amazing, because I know back in the day, as I've said a million times, there was a big fight where people would get together, people would be talking about it, I never hear anything on any of these shows about these fights. It's me doing a little research to see if anything happened in boxing for me to even know. Okay. The Olympics, obviously, 2024 on the horizon, and you're seeing all kinds of crazy things. First, you know, that, that lady broke the indoor record of the 400 meters, and now you have Georgia sophomore Christopher Morales Williams breaking the 400 record the men's with a sizzling 44-49 at the SEC championships that were in Fayetteville. Why am I bringing this up? Because, you know, I'm not going where you think I'm going. What I am going to say here is as we get closer to the Olympics and you're starting to see people pulling off these amazing times, Look for many, many records to fall in Paris. It's been building up the last couple of years. I'm foreseeing a very stellar game as far as track and field goes. You know, obviously, kind of sad that uh, Kelvin Kipton won't be there, as we talked about last week, you know, with the tragedy that happened in the car crash. But nonetheless, we're going to see some pretty amazing stuff, and you're already seeing it in the indoor circuit. Okay. And lastly, big surprise here, the IOC upholds the suspension for the Russian Olympic Committee for the Olympics. You guys are still ill and over there. Of course they're going to do that. I mean, there's still some risk wrangling over letting folks compete as individuals, and that's just going to play itself out. But yeah, until you stop illing, no Olympics for you, Russia. Sorry, Vladimir. All right, we'll be back with the with what's going on on the hardwood when we return. for some Friday night hoop action. Obviously got some big games coming up here on ESPN, even though I'm kind of watching the local news to find out what's going to happen with our local baseball team, whether or not they're going to be able to stay in Eugene. But yeah, my version Celtics, Bucks and Bulls on TV. 
course, by the time you listen to this podcast, those games have already happened. Nonetheless, what is going on on the hardwood this week? Well, well, well. Let me start out with the Pels. Props to their fans for clapping back at Stephen A. Smith for his ongoing criticism of Zion. We've all dogged Zion for one thing or another. The Pels have been a pretty decent story this year, and I love the fact that Pelican Nation is embracing him and had his back, and we're very quick to clap back on the various social media platforms to say we are having that. So, bully for you. Had a big brawl last night, last Friday, I should say, you know, as we were recording this and putting it to bed, so we didn't get a chance to talk about it. The Heats and the aforementioned Pels, which resulted in five suspensions handed down. Naughty, naughty, boys. He's getting to those fisting cuffs. Mr. Silver sits you down. Okay. So the big story right now are the Celtics who are getting ready to tip off on ESPN. As I'm getting here, doing a little adjustment. Let me see here. So, yes. They have won nine in a row going into tonight. 9-1 in their last 10, for what it's worth. And we got to ask that question, for one. Do we believe? Obviously, they had their chances against the Warriors back in 2022. It came up short. And this kind of folds into the next point, too. Not only with the Celtics, but also their star, Mr. Tatum. They need to get this ring... Or we're going to continue to say, yeah, 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 you won eight, nine in a row. But when you get to a point where it really matters, you don't deliver. And, you know, Draymond kind of came out and said that about Jason Tatum, is that he feels he's not getting respect and should be deeper in these MVP conversations. But the fact is, it goes back to that Richard Pryor line, in which wears up, if you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, I need to see that movie again. It's been far too long. But yes, <laughs> you need to deliver in that regard for us to... It's not fair. There's a lot of people that are bowling, and the way the Celtics have played this year, I recently... Winners of nine in a row. He's got a valid point, but there's something about breaking through and winning. And you know, the world where you've got the Joker, Luca, Mr. Embiid, LeBron still balling, SGA, a lot of names out there, and somehow you just don't rise above them. And maybe that, and I maybe that's because we don't pay attention to the Celtics enough and take them for granted. And yeah, they're always in the mix. I'm not sure what it is, but I definitely know that if you get the Celtics to the promised land. The narrative definitely changes, and you know because obviously if they do, you're going to be the driving force behind that. Interesting spring coming up. Okay. Pacers up and down, but they did snap the Mavericks' seven-game win streak, so that was kind of cool. The Suns socked the Lakers on Sunday afternoon. Lakers were kind of cranky that they only went to the line eight times, which is kind of crazy considering that they are not a team that was behind the arc. Goes both ways. There have been teams that are pissed off at them. I've said it many times. 
I've seen like your game is where LeBron and AD get mugged. It's just the quality of officiating. And some nights you ain't gonna get the calls, and that's just the way it is. <laughs> Till they fix that, you're gonna see such disparities. Oh yeah. You know, Warriors are the talk of the town. You know, they want to get on the road last night. They did not beat the Warriors, I mean the Nuggets, the defending champs. And I know people are talking about how dangerous they are. But like with the Lakers, when it comes to the Nuggets and Murray and Joker and Gordon and all those boys, they get you in the fourth quarter. It's almost like they're rope-a-doping you. They wear you down, and then they don't miss a shot, get every rebound, get every 50-50 ball. They're just they're at another plateau right now than the rest of the competition. Call it as I say it. <clears throat> that was interesting. The legendary Doc Rivers, no surprise here, getting booed in his return to Philly. The freak Giannis dropped 30. But Doc getting booed in Philly. Gee, you didn't deliver? Of course, <laughs> you're going to get booed. In that town? <laughs> That's the reason why we don't have Dollar Dog that anymore. Whew. You have, a, you have a Clippers. Tough week for them. One, they got, you know, they got slapped by the Kings. And then in the final game of the Hallway Series, which was the night before last, as the Clippers are moving to the Inuit Dome starting next season, they had a 21-point lead in the fourth quarter, and somehow LeBron became the ageless wonder and started draining threes from everywhere. And the Lakers fought back to get a, a much-needed win there for their pride and everything else. It's kind of crazy that overall, since uh, the Crip slash Staples Center owner opened, the Clips ended in the series with a 50-47 advantage. Of course, most of this being recently where they won something crazy like 12 of 13. Well, you know me and what I think about the Clippers being a Lakers fan. This is all I got to say about this. Yeah, they had a lot of success. But where are those banners? And so when I think about this series and whatever success they've had in L.A., other than the, you folks who like the Clippers... Most people there are Laker fans that want a cheaper deal. You all know this, and we live rent-free in your heads all the time because you have no banners. Now, I ain't saying that they'll never win one, but until they do, I can sit there and say you can chalk up all kinds of empty calories all you want with, yeah, we beat you 12 out of 13, but the Lakers still have 17 banners. You know, I rarely get into my Laker... <laughs> I like her bravado, but when it comes to the Clippers, as you know, if you follow this podcast, I have an insane disdain for because the Lakers have done all the heavy lifting for many years, and now you got billionaire boy building palaces for you and making things happen. That's kind of interesting that, you know, they're doing a rebrand, sort of like making their logo give you an idea that they're named after their Clippers ship. Uniforms, eh, you know. Not that much of a deviation, to me at least. But okay, you know, new crib, new beginnings. 
It's been an interesting run. I'm going to stand by what I've always said. If these two ever meet in the playoffs, Armageddon's coming because every time that it's we've been on the cusp of it, something always falls apart. And this is why, because I think if these two teams were to meet in the playoff series, all hell would break loose. Yeah, <laughs> I'll just leave that there. Okay, we got Trey Young's going to miss the next four weeks with a finger injury. Keep an eye on this because right now the Hawks are 10th in the East, about three and a half games in front of the wobbling Nets. But now the, the Nets kick Jock Vaughn to the curb. They may take this window to make things interesting as far as the last spot for the play-in in the East. Yeah. What else do we have here? Well, you know, this is, like I talked earlier about the Spurs beating the Thunder. And, you know, we got to ask. Yeah, the Spurs have had their problems. I mean, we know what the Thunder are. But Wimby dominating Chet last night. Are we finally at a point now where we are getting our glimpse of the future? Because one thing we know, this Wimby guy is starting to blossom. And all the things we thought he could be, he is being. Yeah, this year was kind of, you know, into the dumpster. But they're going to take advantage of that. Get another good pick. They've got all sorts of options as being able to wheel and deal. But I don't think it's that much of a stretch for the Spurs to all of a sudden be where the Thunder are. Maybe as soon as next year, in terms of one of these young teams that's, you know, moving the needle, as we like to say. Yeah, it just, I don't know whether Mr. Popovich has the weather all to make it happen and they need to make a change there. Who the hell knows? But as Dion says, I'm coming. And Wimby's definitely coming. Chet's not too shabby either. So the future looks good, even though I keep saying, you know, with guys like Curry, Katie, and LeBron, you know, when is it going to be their turn? But they're, they're they're definitely banging on the door with their play. And, yeah, it's a fun thing to watch. Now, this one I think is kind of amuses me. Chris Paul didn't join the Heatles because Dwayne Wade wasn't going to give up number three. Probably a good thing for the Heat, just knowing how jinxed that guy is. And uh, the Warriors keep dreaming in terms of what you're, what you're doing now, now that he's back in the lineup. But good grief, I got I think this is just absolutely... Another thing I didn't have on my 2024 bingo card. Now, who knows if the commissioner came in and said, this trade can't go down for basketball reasons. But yeah, I'm with Bill Plasky, you know, he said on Around the Horn, because that is within... Chris Paul's wheelhouse to be that pity. Like, if I can't have number three because of my CP3 thing, I don't want to beat A. Yeah. Okay. Then we have Dame coming to terms with life in Milwaukee. You know, obviously, he really wanted to be in South Beach. And just like Kareem before him, you get to Milwaukee and you say it's Milwaukee. And that's not a knock on Milwaukee, folks, for you folks out there in the great state of Wisconsin. But for these urbane players, <laughs> well, I get the feeling it's Dame says he just works out and does his thing, but I don't think he's too amused with life in Milwaukee. 
All right, folks, that's what we got going on on the hardwood. We'll be back with a beautiful game life when we return. side shall we exciting stuff going on there as I just see I know the alcohol related deaths surged during COVID 488 deaths per day gee are we surprised by that anyways I shouldn't make light of that but yeah wow okay let's go pitch side okay boy it, it now is official the end of a very sordid tale here. Mr. Pogba gets a four-year ban for doping. At one time, considered one of the better players in the game, this is a very inglorious moment, maybe into you know, what was a once promising career, not only for the French national team, for the stints in Syria and also you know, when he was teamed up with Ebra and folks over at Manchester United. But right now, at 30, I believe, is it, what is it, 30 or 31, you know, some of the prime years of his career are going to be spent on the shelf. Now, I'm sure he might be able to appeal this and maybe get this shorted, which would probably be a good thing for him. But let's say it doesn't. This is definitely one of the sadder stories in the beautiful game life. And, you know, one of those should have been, but didn't happen as far as, you know, what kind of magic we could have solved for this guy. Same thing with Neymar. Not so much Neymar going to Paris, but Neymar being hurt for a good part of his formative years and now being in Saudi and hurt again, we're not seeing it. Facts, right? Okay. The United States women's national team Losing to Mexico, Dosicero, 2-0. Yeah. The hive was buzzing about that, huh? Well, it's hard to say here. A lot of things at play here. Obviously, you know, their coach of the future still over in the European, you know, Super League with Chelsea. So we don't really know what As far as the next World Cup, all that's looking like. We've been saying the rest of the world's caught up. Obviously, a big win for the Altrey women. Very big, you know, no, not very cool stuff there. And yeah, the women are going through a transition, obviously, you know, passing the torch away from the likes, you know, of the Megan R's and folks like that. All get it. But getting. Wax 2-0, kind of shocking. Maybe a wake-up call. I don't think it's time to hit the panic button. You know, it's pretty obvious that everybody in the women's game is up, has taken their game to another level. And 
what used to be a cakewalk, because I mean, good grief, they hadn't lost to a CONCACAF team on American soil since like 2003, but haven't lost to Mexico, gee whiz, since most of you weren't even born, well maybe some of us, but still, crazy stuff there. And yeah, I think that's a good thing, you know, it shouldn't have been the cakewalk that it was for the, the United States Women's National Team. And it just makes me more excited to see how they respond in these competitions coming up. Now, I don't think they're going to fade away. But yes, the, the cakewalk days definitely are over. Okay. CCC, not SCCL anymore, as I keep calling it. Even I have to figure these things out. But CONCACAF champions, you know, was, yeah, the CONCACAF Champions Cup is what we're calling it now. The water is wet <laughs> thing happened basically in this opening round. Nothing surprising, right? Orlando City advances. Cincy, New England, and Nashville cruise to the next round. The excitement really was in Philadelphia Union and Saprissa, with Philadelphia winning a wild one in extra time after they lost, they went down a man. So that was a very exciting game. You know, obviously, CONCACAF could do a better job and Fox could do a better job of letting us know. I mean, putting it on, on FS2, where there's like lame stuff going on on FS1. Come on! Throw this competition a bug. It'd be great for the top tier of American soccer to get a little bit of love playing in a big international competition. But of course, now the fun starts when we get to the next round and the competition gets a bit tougher. Okay. Leverkusen keeps winning. And after Byron's result today, I haven't had a chance to unpack it. They could be up as many as 10. Inter's cruising. I mean, they've got like a double-digit lead in Serie A. The big story over there would be Western McKinney, Weston McKinney dislocating his shoulder in Juventus' win this past Sunday. CR7 dropping goals all the time, and nobody gives a rat's ass you-know-what about his exploits. It's what his exploits for average for both our words. We haven't had any adult beverages yet, so I don't know what's going on. Uh, yeah, CR7 making all kinds of... I mean, it's more about his antics than it is the goals he's dropping. What a surprise there for all these folks that think the Saudi League is actually a top-five league in the world. It's not. They had the yeah, Caribou Cup. The Reds win 1-0 over Chelsea. Another feather in the cap for Jurgen Klopp on his way out. And folks say, like Pep basically saying, gee, at one point people said, nobody cares about this. Kind of like the U.S. Open Cup, right? Now all of a sudden people do. Kind of like the U.S. Open Cup. But yet, a wonderful moment for Liverpool. But we have to ask with Chelsea, what to make of Todd Bowley, yes, Todd, that Todd Bowley, part owner of the Dodgers, and his billion-dollar folly. Right now they are 12th in the Premier League. Or 10th. Last year they finished 12th. This is like worse than Mr. Cohen spending, you know, 
almost a billion dollars. And if you're going to spend that kind of loot, what are you doing basically mid-table? That's cool you were able to make the, the Caribou Cup final, but otherwise this is a stinky diaper. And you got to think Blues fans ain't happy, even wonder how it is that Mr. Volley goes to Stamford Bridge, what the supporters are saying about that, because this ain't good. You spend that kind of money and have these kind of results. FA Cup's rocking as well. What else can we say about that? Well, we can say this. Mr. Elon bags five goals as Manchester City route Luton Town. That's right. Five goals, count them. The Mbappe saga continues. He was benched in the 65th minute, the 65th minute, when PSG rallied to get a 1-1 draw with Wren. He was also finished at halftime today as PSG and Monaco went 0-0. Now, a lot to talk about that. We're going to let that percolate a little bit more in terms of the fallout from today before I give my opinion on that because there's going to be a lot to say as far as where this whole Mbappe saga is going. But I can tell you, it got weird this afternoon when he was subbed at half and he was up in the stands, not sitting with his teammates, chilling with his mom in street clothes. But give the PSG youngsters for holding the fort down and not surrendering all three points on the road. They still lead League One by three points. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now over in Spain, Los Blancos waiting for Mbappé doing their thing. So let's talk some MLS. It's opening week. A lot of exciting stuff going on. LAFC edging Seattle 2-1. Big story there. No Vela. We probably have a big story to drop about that on the next podcast, but I'm going to wait until the facts come in. But yeah, it could be big as far as that goes. Big story there. Seattle shorthanded, but the kid from Argentina came on, and they almost salvaged a point there. You know, LAFC was very fortunate. Can't tell from the supporters thinking, yeah, man, we're back, we're rolling. And I'm like, man, that was a lot closer than it looked. The champs take care of business, beating the five stripes. The Timbers start the Phil Neville era off with a big one over the Rapids, like 4-1. FC Cincinnati obviously thinking about its Champions League tilt this week. They played to a 0-0 draw with TFC. Union and Fire, same story. That was a 2-2 draw. St. Louis City, which I forgot to mention, and I'll get to this in a second. St. Louis City... And RSL 1-1, Nashville and Red Bull, New York, 0-0. Before I get to Messi under the lights, how about, I forgot to mention this in CCC play, how about St. Louis City <laughs> gagging and letting Houston edge by them? I don't know how I didn't get into my outline. I just thought about it. But what I matched that was, and the new kids on the block disappointed once again in their hopes for glory. Yeah, that was pretty something because I thought after you know they came into the match in Houston with a with, with an advantage, they would somehow find a way to get to the next round. And Houston said, "No, no, no, young bucks, you still gotta learn how to win the big ones." As an LAFC fan, no, that could be when you're the new kid on the block. Okay, now let's get to Messi under the lights in LA on a Sunday night. The marquee matchup, 
as far as Apple TV was concerned and the U.S. soccer world was Messi going to Dignity Sports Health Park for a matchup with the LA, LA Galaxy. Give the Galaxy a lot of props. I mean, obviously they had some opportunities to really do some damage. But in the end, a questionable red card, well, accumulation of yellows that led to a red card, put the Galaxy a man down in stoppage time, and lo and behold, Messi works his magic. The majority album teaming up. Messi has another one of his spectacular goals. And the Messi world and everybody and Apple and everybody else bring sugar sugar cubes and right cherry drops and orange slices and all the good stuff. Everybody was really good all over. I thought it was kind of kind of suspect. But it does give light to the power of Messi's presence in the MLS. And I know folks who go back and forth from condemning it to being in awe. This is why Apple and MLS made the plunge. And perfect for LA, great showcase, a lot of luminaries out. It was a wonderful event and another good showcase for the league. And with Inter Miami winning its first few matches, they're going to be a force to be reckoned with. And that's a good thing. And obviously, Messi's still capable of dazzling folks. And that's why he is going to move the needle for MLS, in spite of what the, peel, the peanut gallery has to say about things. I just call it the way I see it. And in this case, I'm definitely right about that. And even as cynical as I was, I was watching it, and I walked away from it just like going, damn that messy. Good stuff. All right, folks, we will be back with some Night Full of Diamonds when we return. Back to Fox Running the Foxhole. Your faithful, your faithful host, Ken Harlan, here. I'm telling you, I am stumbling all over my words today. Thanks for bearing with me. This is one of those freaky Fridays, I suppose. All the different weather changes and whatnot. Ugh. Well, well, well. Let's see. Do I have a hippie reference? Well, it's kind of light. A you know, fish closed out its run in Mexico. Strong stuff from the boys in Vermont. I can't say enough about, at this stage in the game, 40 years, obviously give or take the years they took off, they still bring it. And I marvel at the level of professionalism, musicianship, all these things that that band continues to, you know, output. It's a wonderful thing. You know, if it's not your thing, it's not your thing. But I'm just telling you, yeah. Normally, you know, I'm just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You folks are fluffing things up. But I continue to be impressed with this particular band. 
Also thought that was kind of cool, even though I'm not down with this. But seeing the spear with all the crazy still your face patterns, you know, with the big run coming up later on this year. Obviously, fish is going to be there around 420. So a lot of good things going on as far as hippie land is concerned. My only gripe would be some of you bands. Bring your ass back to Eugene. You, every time you come here, you're always singing how much you love it. And like, I can't believe we haven't played here. But then I look at these tours being announced, and Eugene's never on the uh, on the list. Although I, I do, the uh, Wings coming, and also Johnny Lydon, aka Johnny Rotten, is coming for on his spoken word tour later this year. So it's not all bad. All right, let's get to the real Nightfall of Diamonds. You know I gotta do this every week just for the humor myself. Well, well, well. Jersey and Pantsgate. A nuisance that kind of re remains in the room, but with bigger things finally taking stage, thankfully for all of us, it subsided a bit. I didn't hear as much talk as the week moved on as when we unloaded you know, episode 198 and it was the talk of everyone. Didn't hear a lot about it this week. Watched a couple of games which I'll get to in a moment. You know, as Cactus and Grapefruit League are buzzing along. I think that's a wonderful thing. Probably a big to do about nothing. Nike and Fanatics will make their adjustments and somewhere down the line everybody will be happy. One would like to think. <sighs> Let me talk about the A's. You know I can't get through the segment without bringing up the A's. This is getting interesting. So the A's had a fan fest. Well, not the A's, but A's fans, not sanctioned. Lot to unpack here. But in, in, in the end, it was very telling. The spirit these folks have and the gut feeling, they all share that Oakland still has a lot of skin in this game. As I keep saying, you know, at one point it was 11.59.58. I'm going to fucking move the doomsday clock back to 11.43. Now there's so much going on here with Sacramento, Salt Lake City, and Las Vegas, and nothing being certain. We know Mr. Manford would like to get some resolution here, but we obviously know that's not going to come in the next five or ten minutes. But I saw this... Fan fest and the turnout and just the true spirit, you know, of A's fans and just made me take a step back. I've been kind of cynical, as you know, but before this podcast. But yeah, I, I I don't know how this is going to land, and I didn't think I was going to say that. Yeah, in the end, I do think they will end up in Las Vegas. But now I am pretty much resigned to the point where I would not be shocked if somehow they end up staying in Oakland. It's just one of the more bizarre stories I follow, and that's why I keep talking about it. But yeah, the Fan Fest was cool. You know, obviously there was this one brewery that's the side of the A's that pulled out. They said, never mind. Plenty of other people stepped up. People had their gear on. Obviously, nobody had anything good to say about, for about John Fisher. Gee, big surprise there. Anyways, 
We'll keep talking about this until there's a resolution. Okay, what else happened this week as far as the, around the diamond is concerned? The Cubs and Mr. Bellinger smile at each other and say, hey, three-year deal, let's do it. So Mr. Bellinger will be at Wrigley for the next three seasons. Big story this week, Otani makes his debut on Tuesday. Yeah, the much ballyhooed debut. First two at-bats, whatever. But in his third at-bat, he did what we're all expecting, and he went yard and gave not only Dodger fans, but the baseball world reason to say, oh, shit. <laughs> yes, him homering in his first game, but it gave me goosebumps. And a lot of other people as well, Dodger fans or not. And this could be the beginning of something very special at Chavez Ravine. Look out, folks. And then the next day, Mr. Yamamoto, in his debut, pitched two innings, didn't give up a run. Of the 19 pitches, 16 of them were strikes. So if you're a Dodger fan, you're just giddy, you know, with a lineup that has Mookie, <laughs> Freddie Freeman, and Otani, you're going one, two, three. Yes. And they also brought Kiki Hernandez back into the fold, signing him to a one-year deal, so... Yeah, exciting times there. Mr. Snell is still unsigned, but apparently there is an offer on the table from the Yankees. They just haven't come to an agreement quite yet. Kind of interesting here, the Cards signing long-term San Francisco Giants infielder Brandon Crawford. He's 37, but he's a three-time All-Star, four-time Golden Glove winner, part of those championship teams. Definitely, you know, one of the cogs on that great run the Giants made in this last decade. Kind of interesting to see him walking away, but times change. And the Giants are going in a different direction. Mr. Crawford needed a hat, to hang, a hat and a rack to place his bat, you know, all those things. So, hey, you know, props to him. Hope the Cardinals get some uh, mileage out of him. And now that he can't, you know, stab the Dodgers in the back, I ain't shed any tears. Okay, let's hop on the Samboni here real quick. How about Patrick Kane getting a overtime winner in his first return to Chicago? Now he's a member of the Red Wings. And this was the same night that the legendary Chris Chelios got his number seven hung up in the rafters. So all in all, kind of a magical night in the Windy City. Other big thing. Columbus ending the Rangers streak at nine. The power rankings this week look like this. So I switch tabs. Florida still number one. Obviously, getting a big win with the Bruins. Right? You know, obviously they're shocking upset in the playoffs and all that stuff. You know, no love there. The Rangers are at number two based on that success that they've had. Canucks are three, the Jets are four, and the aforementioned Bruins have slid down to five. Kind of interesting as far as that's concerned. Some movement going on, but when we look at the top ten, definitely the playoffs are looking good. Kind of curious to see that the Golden Knights, the defending champs, are at 11, and that's where they were last week. Kind of time for them to start making some noise, don't you think? Right, and you get... The Kings looking not so good. You know, they're at one point 
having residency in the top five. They've slid down the 14th. Tampa Bay is at 16, which is kind of a shocker to me as well. And then, you know, you've got the not so good. <laughs> as we keep scrolling down. Yeah, there are some teams like Arizona, Columbus, the Sharks, and the Ducks. And the Blackhawks actually being 32, which is kind of a shock, right? Yeah, so that's what's going on on the ice. We'll be back with a closer look when we return. See you there. folks welcome back to the foxhole rocking and rolling on a fabulous friday a little bit chilly gonna be that way up in the willamette valley parts of the northwest for the next week so you know break out the flannels the fleece the long johns and the extra pairs of socks or sit sit out by the fire and enjoy those adult beverages but let's get to a closer look I talked about it earlier, and now I'm going to revisit it again. The storm. And, you know, I can't help but think the more, you know, I talked about it earlier, and I thought I wasn't going to bring it up again, but I, I, it really deserves a hard look. And when I think about all the other sports, you know, professional sports, I mean, even the beautiful game live, which arguably has some of the most passionate fans on the planet, right or wrong sometimes in terms of their behavior, but you don't see that kind of stuff. So why do we have college football and college basketball? And this really gulf between people, especially some of the older folks, the adults in the room, how they're torn about it. And feel like the kids, you're taking something from the kids. Now, I said this earlier, the kids have so many wonderful things. Unless you're a regular student and don't get to enjoy the perks of NIL, getting fat bags of cash, getting the travel, getting the fat whip, you know, none of those things. So maybe, okay, the regular students deserve something. But I just don't see it. And we've been talking about this on the podcast. This isn't the first time, whether it's the 43K view or even in a closer look, you know, fan behavior. And fans at this point, and their, I don't know, their excitement, their exuberance, all of these things. And then the, this need to talk trash, you know, right? I mean, I talk about this all the time. You know, you've got, we're, we've gotten so consumed with sports, and it makes me wonder: if, do people have girlfriends and boyfriends anymore? You know, I there's <laughs> examples I have of people on these fan pages 
when their sport's not going to play for six or seven months, and there's nine, ten, you know, posts a day, people, you know, with two or three hundred responses going back and forth, you know, just all consumed, you know, people following another team's page and, you know, spending all day trying to, like, get a rise out of another fan base. And this stuff spills out into the courts, the football fields, and things like that. And that's why I am not a big fan of court storming. I just think that people's inclination to go taunt folks is getting greater over time. Social media is fueling this sort of thing. Everybody's got a camera to have their moment. And it's one of those spontaneous moments that really can't be controlled. Now, I get it when you knock off number one. But people, as we pointed out many times on this podcast, you know, it's like, hey, number 15 knocking off number six. Hey, let's go storm the court. It's almost to the point of, it's almost artificial at this point, right? I think at one point there was something magical about it, but now it's like this rite of passage that just has, to me anyhow, has no fucking place anymore. And we can we can live fantastically without it. We can still be overconsumed with sports, you know, in a very unhealthy way, and be fine without having our moment. Because if you don't have that moment, is it really going to take away from the achievement and the good feeling you have when your team accomplishes something? Probably effort not. And as I've said, you don't see it anywhere else now other than college sports. I mean, as I said earlier, you know, right? With the Panthers, the Jets, with the Commanders get a big win. You don't see folks storming the film and wanting to tear the cold post down and creating all of these dangerous situations. It's just, it's just not there. And so, you know, why can't we just grow up and admit that we can still have our fun without putting people at risk. Because as I've said a million times before, wait until something normally happens. It already has happened. And the fact that, you know, Caitlin Clark, you know, the biggest story in college sports, let's say her knee gets tweaked and it costs her a chance to break all these records that she has been doing since this has happened. What kind of story would that have been? But these same folks, these same talking heads, these adults in the room, when they feel that way, they go, well, that's just an unfortunate thing. No, because it's very preventable. And I think when we can do things that are preventable, we should be striving towards that. All right, enough about that. Let's talk about something else that we're going to revisit. And I'll just call this Braun, Brady, Duncan, and the bag. Another thing that I'm really getting irritated with Folks, you know, these talking heads, mostly former athletes, always saying, oh, heck no, you shouldn't take less money in order to help your team win a championship. And in some cases, okay, maybe I can see it. You know, if you're a star, but you're not like Braun, for example, who's a billionaire. There's no, Braun's coming up here by the side of an extension, the Lakers in the offseason. And 
When I look at Brady and Duncan, even though Atlas say, oh, you all keep saying they took less, but it didn't work out that way. Yeah, it did. And I get cranky with these athletes, not saying you shouldn't get as much money, but when you're a billionaire, and unless you're an idiot, your kids are going to be taken care of. Their kids are going to be taken care of. They're probably good enough in their own pursuits to make their own bag, as in the case of LeBron's kids. Shouldn't it be more about legacies? And if you're LeBron at 39 on the cusp of scoring 40,000 points, you need more rings in terms of solidifying your greatness because that's really what it's about right now, legacy. And when you look at how Brady take it less and Duncan take it less and how that, in Brady's case, pushed him past Montana and put him and put Tim Duncan in the conversation, isn't that what it's all about? And when you're a billionaire, now, if you're not a billionaire, okay, I can probably see it. But you've made your money, so it should be about rings. And shouldn't you be doing everything possible to maximize your chances by bringing in pieces? And Because guys like that, I mean, shit, Brady lost $30 million in a crypto scam and still didn't get the kind of money he's going to make being in the chair at Fox and all the other opportunities as far as endorsements go and sponsorships and things like that. So call me crazy, but I just think folks that argue against that, <laughs> they got to screw loose, especially if we spend hours upon hours talking about legacies and how important that is. And when you're someone like LeBron and you're looking at Jordan and people go see that six, you got Curry right there with you. Shouldn't you be doing everything possible to make sure the Lakers have the flexibility to get you more rings if you're going to hang around for a few, more, a few more years? That's just me. All right, folks, that's a closer look for this week. We'll be back for the NFL Report and TMCA. Time to get you out of here. to the last of episode 199. Yeah, folks, we're on the cusp of 200. What do you think about those apples? Whew, NFL report time. Unfortunately, we got a somber one here. Um, you know, if you grew up in the 70s like I did, and those damn cowboys, one of their guys that got on your nerves, Golden Richards, he passed away this week, I think 79. You know, one of those guys with his flowing blonde hair, and you know, with Drew Pearson, Billy Joe Dupree, and Tony Hill, and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Our condolences go out to his family, friends, and the Cowboy Nation. Okay, so this week, NFL PA hands out its yearly report cards the Dolphins and Vikings being 1-2, and two, and shockingly, the Chiefs being 31, their owner getting ranked last. And, you know, this comes down to, you know, 
you have facilities and you know, providing childcare, the meals and things like that. And, you know, a big to-do is made about this, but let's ask ourselves something. The Dolphins at one and two. The Dolphins haven't won a, haven't won a ring since I was in grade school. <laughs> you know, I've talked about their shortcomings in the postseason, and we all know the Vikings ain't never won anything. And here the Chiefs are, you know, winning three rings in the last four years. So what the hell does this actually sort of mean? Does it mean, yes, you're the Chiefs, you need to upgrade things because when it comes to attracting free agents and things like that, they do consider that. But then again, people do, like I said the last seg segment about legacies and winning, they consider that more. So I don't know what that means. Well, the commanders, <laughs> you know, right there at 32, or 32 at the bottom, they got a lot of work to do. But the thing is, they've got you know, a new chief in charge. And I think it's unfair to assess what's going on there for a couple of years. You see, you know, and speaking of, let me like fold that in here real quick. Um, Mr. Harris making some big news. This is one of those things where is this a big deal or a big deal about nothing? He's at the Combine this week, sitting in on the quarter, prospective quarterback interviews, and people are losing their minds. Well, he just spent $6.2 billion. And as people say, the basketball guys, maybe they are trying to get a handle on how this process works. Problem is, with the commanders, their fan base has gotten so much PTSD from the Snyder years, everybody automatically has to get to their keyboards and start wailing like, oh, this is red flags. And this, this commander's fans, the national media. And I'm sitting here thinking, everybody was happy about Snyder going away. And everybody commented on Josh Harris and what he's done with the Sixers and the Devils. That he's a smart guy and he has smart people around him. And this is their first rodeo. Now, why all of a sudden, because he wants to take place, not take place, but take part in these proceedings, that everybody's flipping out. Once again, it is that time of year where we need things to talk about and we'll invent something out of nothing just so there's talking points. But this is one of those, that can you let a couple of years pass by, then pass judgment, now, if it's clear that there's too many cooks in the kitchen, we'll have plenty to say, and the results will point that out if the commanders continue to be a dumpster fire as they have been for many years, predating Dan Snyder. Interesting thing also about the commanders, FedEx opting out of the naming rights two years early. A lot to unpack there. Is, you know, they were one of the folks leading the charge for the name change obviously, being a, a prime sponsor. But yeah, I, given what a dump that is, even though Harris and company just announced that they're going to put like $75 million for improvements to make it a more hospitable place for fans. We'll see how that all works out. Okay. Other big story this week. McCool Hartman. You know, of the Chiefs of Spain, obviously scoring the winning touchdown in the Super Bowl. His brief stint with the Jets, word on the street is that because he wasn't getting enough love in terms of touches, he leaked the game plans 
out to the Eagles, I forget who else, out of spite. Now, I don't know if this is true, but if it is, homie, you better hope you have a long stay with the Chiefs, because otherwise, uh, as Cap Colin Kaepernick and others can tell you, the NFL stands for not for long with the black ball. That's going to happen to you if this is true. Okay. Other big story is the Bears. They say they're going to make a decision on the quarterback soon, which basically means if I talked about Caleb earlier, you know, with his dad and all that kind of stuff, that he's on his way out. And that makes sense. I don't know where he's going to land. You know, obviously, there are a lot of folks that have negatives as far as what he's done thus far, but most people agree there is a high ceiling that you might want to explore. There are a lot of teams in need, and this is going to be one of the more compelling stories in the weeks to come as far as who blinks first in terms of saying, yeah, I'll take a flyer on Mr. Fields' cookies. Because obviously, it looks like the Bears are going to go with Caleb which if Caleb is the general, generational talent that he's projected to be, why wouldn't they? His finances and just, if he's a generational talent, you don't pass up on those. Russ says he wants to stay in Denver and win rings. Team says, well, a decision on that is coming within the next two weeks. Russ being delusional as ever, but why shouldn't he be delusional? What the hell is he supposed to say? Yeah, I want to stay in Denver and be mediocre or get kicked down the road to a team, I don't know, that's like the, the to think of, of somebody that's not in such a great situation, like the Patriots, where, you know, I end my career on a more sour note than the last couple of years in Seattle and Denver have been. Yeah, obviously, Sean Payton and him, you know, that's probably not going to work out. I just wonder, is there a good landing spot? I mean, the Steelers seem to think Kenny P is their guy, and they're, they're willing to go all in on him. I mean, maybe Atlanta, maybe, but then again, I think that's a better spot for Fields. You know, possibly the Raiders, but you get the feeling that with AP and company, eh, I don't know if that's going to work so well either in terms of the kind of quarterback they want, especially if they weren't happy with Jimmy G. The Jets give the Mormon missile the green light to seek a trade. Don't know how many flyers are going to be there and what you could even get for him. I think it's funny that his mom is out there fighting with people on Twitter. Once again, that 2024 bingo card. Then you've got Mr. A.J. Brown telling everyone that said he wants out of Philadelphia and he has to beef with the Hurts. Give him, you know, the middle finger salute. In stereo, just say that's not true and you all just need to mind your business. Well, given how the Eagles fell apart, there's probably some truth to this, but I also believe A.J. AJ Brown, when he says he wants to be in Philadelphia still, because they were in the playoffs, they were 10-1 at one point, Whatever went wrong there is fixable, you know, as far as it's a very smart organization. Obviously, being able to get an AJ Brown, they'll make the moves 
to stay in the Knicks. They may need to ditch their coach, but I can see A.J. Brown being healthy in Philadelphia and whatever problems he has with Mr. Hurts, winning cures everything. The Bengals tag T. Higgins, no shock there. Saquon and Mr. Henry in Tennessee or, and uh, Mr. Pollock in Dallas are free to join the market. The running back saga continues once again as that position nobody knows what to do with because we all know backed by committee is the prevailing trend in th this era of the NFL. But these guys are all talents and can help prospective teams. So this is going to be another compelling story in the offseason because we definitely need stories where there aren't any. Okay. I think it's interesting that, uh, you know, we're that, Part of the year where people are shaving roster for cap space. As we see Shaq Barrett, two-time pole bowler, who led the NFL with 19 and a half sacks, is probably the biggest name. There's quite a few people that got sent. I know the commanders got rid of Charles Leno and Logan Thomas, you know, stalwarts on that uh, not so promising team, but but along with that with other guys, they already had the most cap space and now they save fourteen and a half million more. So look for more names to be kicked to the wayside as we get into the fun part March before we get to the draft. Yeah, the NFL and its propensity to somehow stay in the the frame of the ever evolving sports world 365 24 7. Okay, so back to the Chiefs. So they released renderings of the next generation Arrowhead. And you talked about the, the Royals leaving for downtown. So they're basically going to level Coffin Stadium and, and give Arrowhead a nice makeover. Not everybody's happy about it. There are some folks in the metro government who are just saying this is a big mistake and they're they're going to do everything in their power to stop it. But given the popularity of the Chiefs and what going back to the being low on the regular facilities, it's about time. And whether people are against it or not, it's definitely going to happen. Okay. Let me leave you with this one. I did do this in baseball this week just for some reason. But, you know, this time of the year, when I'm looking for things to talk about, let's talk back-to-back -back champions. This is always an interesting one that doesn't get as much traction as it should. And we've had a lot of back-to-back -back champions. And I was trying to figure out, in my opinion, all things being equal and not equal, but just kind of looking at who dominated. Of my back-to-back -back champions, who do I have? And this is a tough one because there have been some really good ones. Right, you know, that 49ers team that went back-to-back, -back, you know, one of the best teams of all time. The Cowboys of the 90s. The Dolphins that have a 17-0 and coming back 12-2 and and taking, taking out the Vikings. The Patriots obviously did their thing. We got the Chiefs now. But you know, I'm going to go 1-2 here. And FTI and FX, if you disagree or you have something to chime in on this one. I'm going to take 
the Packers won, winning the first two Super Bowls, and the Steelers, even though they did it twice, which is very impressive, and it's hard for me to say the Packers. And this is why I'm going to say the Packers. Packers were pretty dominant in the NFL in the 60s. When you think they lost it in 60, won it in 61 and 62, then won it again in 65, 66, and 67. And then the two teams they beat in the first two Super Bowls were not slouches. And just who they did it with. Now, this is not about talent. I'm just looking at who was more dominant in their era. And I'm going to have to say, as good as the Steelers were going back-to-back -back twice, I still would take the Packers, those Packers teams of the early 60s into the mid-60s as my number one. I know, crazy, right? But hey. That's why we debate things. You tell me what you think. Okay, folks, time to break out the stainless steel bowls of the smelly varieties, complimentary, regular, and XL sizes, TMCA time for folks whose deeds during the past weeks or just being themselves earned that designation. Um, I'm going to give an XL or two XLs to Wake Forest for not ensuring the safety of the Duke players. Yeah, 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 you're going back on the court storming thing. You're rever reverting back to it. Whoo, boy, we are having trouble enunciating our words today. And what I'm telling you, no adult beverages or anything else. It's just one of those freaky Fridays. Okay. Four XLs to Texas Tech fans for throwing bottles on the court after losing to UTA, University of Texas in Austin. Tuesday night. Like, how do you even get bottles into a place? Do you mean they sell bottled beer? But yeah, they were throwing bottles. You know, there's a hard foul, and, you know, some pushing and shoving, and obviously Texas pulling up the win. The Red Raiders fans weren't happy and decided to throw projectiles on the court. One of the reasons why I'm against court storming because of fan behavior and you, you have predictability of moments like that. Okay. I'm going to give an XL to cut to Keyshawn and Colin for showing ignorance about court storming in the SEC. They were making comments about SEC basketball not being that relevant. It's like, do you guys even do your homework? My goodness. I'm going to give complimentaries out to the UFC fans in Mexico that decided they were the main event and decided, well, the fighting's so good. In the, in the octagon, let's take it to the stands. And massive brawling. There's no place for that as far as safety is concerned. I'm going to give two XLs to David Tepper for raising ticket prices anywhere from 4 to 7% after the Panthers go 2-15. and 15. Come on, man. You should be paying people to go see a product that's that bad. Raising prices after you go 2-15? and 15? Wow. Okay, complimentaries go out to UCLA Bruin basketball fans for taunting Brownie about who's your daddy, then they somehow find the way to lose to SC. If you're going to talk to the trash, you got to get the W, right? 2XL is the CR7. Being just a child with the messy tribe and making obscene gestures to the point that you get in trouble with Saudi authorities and have to take a one-game ban and get fined. Come on, CR7, you're bigger than that. You don't need to stoop to being such a child. So uncalled for. 
Speaking of LeBron, you get a regular size for whining about Bronny being removed from some mock drafts. The guy's averaging, what, two, three points a game, maybe a sister or two? He ain't putting up the numbers. Now, if he gets drafted because of his name, whatever. But if you're making a mock draft and really looking at what teams are looking for, it's not a crime. Come on, LeBron, you got other things to worry about than what somebody in a mock draft months from now. Silly, silly you. Okay. Then we're going to give a couple of XLs, let me say two, to the American women's cycling team. Cyanica for trying to pull a fast one over race, organi race organizers in Switzerland. You know, all kinds of chicanery, dressing somebody up as a, you know, I don't have all the details, but just seeing them getting sanctioned for trying to pull a fast one. Yeah, that's worth two XLs. All right, folks, thanks for putting up with me. It's been kind of a slog, but nonetheless, it's always fun in the foxhole. 199 episodes down, getting ready to hit the milestone 200 next week. Obviously a big weekend with hoops, MLS, European soccer, smorgasbord, as they say. As we always will tell you, stay sane, stay safe, enjoy some adult beverages. Yeah. Be sane about that too, but have some fun this weekend. Stay warm, and we'll see you in about a week.